podcast. I'm your host, Megan Collins. This week, we're talking about how I spent the new year and the fact that Karl Marx might be a scrub. More in a minute. Fuck this. I'm not getting married. I'm killing myself. <laughs> so how I spent the new year. This year, I I spent the new year with my friend Mary and Daisy in a sleepy little town called Ojai. That's a few hours outside of L.A., it was raining the whole time. It was the start of the great the great floods, as I've come to know them. So this happens every year, where it rains in LA for probably 25 days. This year, it's more than most times. And people will be like, oh, it doesn't rain that much. But it kind of does. It doesn't rain a lot. But when it rains, oh, when it rains. I have this thing that I do every year where I tell myself I should get rain boots, but then by the time I get around to actually picking them out and ordering them, the rains are over. And this happens every time I usually end up ruining a pair of sneakers. This year, the first sight of rains, I got myself some rain boots. They arrived the other day. I'll probably never buy another pair of rain boots because they're so nice and perfect. I just got black hunter rain boots, like very classic, very excited. I did almost fall several times wearing them, but you know, my feet stayed dry and my tennis shoes are not ruined. Went to Ojai, hung out there in Ojai. They have this really great bookstore called Bart's Books and it's just a beautiful bookstore. Not only is it a beautiful bookstore, it has an amazing book selection. I literally stood in the kind of social critique essay portion bookshelf for like half an hour just picking titles and reading summaries and picking out books to read. I'm going to tell you what books I ended up buying. I tried to log my reading on my Instagram, The Manicured Shelf, Buddhist Meditation. So one of my New Year's, I don't really make like hardcore New Year's resolutions, but I kind of set intentions for the new year. And one of my intentions, you can't hear, I'm doing quotes with my fingers, One of my intentions for the new year this year is to learn how to relax. I don't know how to do that. So I'm going to try to learn. And I bought a book on Buddhist meditation. And it's not only a topic I'm interested in. The book is very cute, which I know is kind of anti-Buddhist. But, you know, that's why I got to learn. Then I bought A Burst of Light and Other Essays by Audre Lorde. I've never read Audre Lorde before. I'm enjoying it very much. But I'm also feeling... It's a bittersweet feeling because I agree wholeheartedly. And on the one hand, it's exciting to read the things she has to say. On the other hand, it's daunting that she had it figured out so many years ago and we're still where we're at. Like I said, bittersweet, but enjoying that. Having and Being Had by Eula Biss. This is so good. It's just about consumption. It's funny. It's witty. Highly recommend. I really, really liked it. Then the last book I got at Barth's was Traveler in Space, In Search of Female Identity in Tibetan Buddhism. 
feel like lately I've just been taking everything with a grain of salt and kind of the macro lens of the male gaze has affected everything. So that's everything I bought. And my reading goal for this year is to read 15 books. I've already read four. Yep. They are The Lost Daughter by Elena Ferrante. I love Elena Ferrante. I wrote a review on this again on the manicured shelf. I thought this book was amazing. Think that nobody does complicated, messy women like Elena Ferrante. I read Happy Hour by Marlo Granados. Honestly, this one took me a minute to get into, but once I did get into it, I really liked it. However, and I think I said this in the past, it's another Girls in New York book, and I, I, I don't have that much interest in fictional party girls in New York, you know? Having and Being Had, which I just talked about, and then finally Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, which was eye-opening and a really good emotional read. I'm currently reading, kind of skipping ahead because it's supposed to be later, but it's fine. It's my podcast. I can do what I want to. currently reading tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow which is really good i was reflecting on the books that i had read last year and i read a lot of nonfiction, which is rare for me but i think that i'm kind of sensitive to the types of stories that i've con- consumed right now and i think that i actually don't even know if it's books i think it's just everything in general i feel like i'm just so inundated with media that unless it's like perfectly aligned to my interest I want it to be a really interesting, boundary-pushing representation of whatever that media is. And so a lot of fiction books, to be honest, are fluff. And they're not catering to my personal interests. Like, Elena Ferrante style of complicated woman, very interior. Like, there's only so many authors doing that. And so many authors who are doing that who are not white, right? So it's a very narrow scope of fiction book that I kind of like just in terms of content and then layer on top of that the types of preferences I have in terms of genre and then writing style and all of that and it's just very rare that I find a book like this that I really love I feel is incredibly well written I'm excited to see what will happen but I don't feel it's predictable but I also don't feel like it's going to pull a rug out from under me it's really well paced I don't love every single thing that happens, but I am enjoying the experience of reading the book. And in fact, I'm hoping to finish it tonight after I finish recording this podcast. And then the other, the last reading update that I have is I am not going to do a book club, but one of my favorite podcast celebrity memoir book club is launching a book club. And their first book that they're reading is Crying in H Mart, which has been sitting on my nightstand forever. So I'm excited to hopefully join that book club i think that would be awesome because i like the books that they choose to read and i feel like they're like exactly my age and what i was saying about that narrow scope of books that i'm interested in i feel like there there's a lot of overlap between books i'm interested in books they're interested in so i think that they would choose good books and i feel like their audience would be like really interesting to discuss them with so that's something that i'm interested in participating in if i can stay focused and read the book so after i finish reading Tomorrow, 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 I'm going to shift my focus to crying in H Mark. What's cool this week? TikTok parents, hot moms. So this is kind of over. Um, I made this 
around New Year's, but while everyone was home, we always see kind of this wave of trends of people interacting with their parents, pranking their parents, whatever. And one of the trends that we saw this holiday season was turning my mom into me to the song, I wish I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl, that one. And it was basically just people showing off their hot moms. Which then launched a discourse about, well, not every mom has to be hot to like want to be shown off. Show off your normal moms, non-almond moms. And about women in aging, a lot of people had really great takes. Maybe that's just the side of TikTok I'm on, but it was a whole thing. This just got me thinking about Gen X women in general, how they've both pushed feminism forward and then also kind of got stuck in certain ways. One of the best full circle moments I can describe is happening for me is that I knew this Gen X woman who lent me a book that I really loved by this author Anne Patchett called Belcanto. And this is like one of the first instances of me bonding with this woman. Like we talked about the book. She let me keep her copy. And then I really liked this author who writes a lot about family, womanhood, motherhood, sisterhood, trauma, how it impacts people, how it impacts who they choose in relationships, yada, yada, yada. So again, so kind of of the Elena Ferrante school of complicated women, right? One of Anne Patchett's most recent books, The Dutch House, I purchased for this Gen X woman and gave it to her to read. And The Dutch House is about two siblings. I can't remember their names right now, but you need to know that they live in a glass house. There's metaphors to be made about those who live in glass houses and they live with a single dad. Their mother's not dead. However, she just kind of left them to go do charitable work in India, I believe. And this Gen X woman read the book and said that she didn't really understand how the mom could do that to her kids. What I found interesting about that was that the mom being away was kind of a foregone conclusion. You know, she was not a main character in the book. It was about the two siblings and their dad and their relationship to their dad in the absence of their mother. And she definitely loomed large over the story. But for that to be your takeaway of, well, I just don't see how a mother could do that. I think helped clarify for me this sacrificial undercurrent to womanhood in the Gen X generation that I just simply don't want to subscribe to. The other big thing that's happening lately is Mercury is in retrograde. I think it's coming out soon. Mars was retrograde and that's over. And I think Mercury retrograde is ending very soon. I'm recording this on January 16th. Let's ask Google. Hey Google, when is Mercury retrograde over? On the website CNN.com, they say on December 29th, Mercury went retrograde for the fourth and final time in 2022. During this stretch, which ends on January 18, 2023, you may hear all sorts of things being blamed on the planet of communications retrograde period, from technology mishaps to misunderstandings with friends and loved ones. I also found an answer to this question. Who does Mercury retrograde affect? Do you want to hear it? No, thank you. Okay. So I don't know if you just heard what Google said, but Google basically said that it ends on the 18th, which is Wednesday, because I'm recording this on Monday. And I'm very excited because this Mercury retrograde has been rough and I'm excited for it to be over. 
So just know if you have had a slow start to the new year, it's not your fault. You can't blame yourself. You just have to blame Mercury because it was just hella in, in retrograde. The next thing I want to talk about is my sub stack, which to be honest, I have no passion for. I think I hate, I think I hate sub stack. I feel like I'm treating this a little more like therapy than I should be, but it just hit me right now in this moment that I don't want to have to publish on sub stack. So we're going to pivot, but I am launching a weekly newsletter that will be on a different platform that is not sub stack. Yeah, I think, I think one thing I've learned from my boss at work, Kaylee, is just like keep it simple. We have a newsletter at work that it's very simple. And I think I'm just trying to be overly fancy with this one. And I think I just got to take a step back and keep it simple. So we'll relaunch, but it's going to be just like a weekly thing that I'm going to send out of like, here's a cool thing this week. And last week I sent out something about the shape of water because I said I had my 23 trends for 2023 and I really hoped I published them. But several times I went to sit down over the last few weeks to put together this presentation. And I thought, why? Who is this for? I have a list. I do this for work. Why am I going to spend a bunch of time and effort making a really pretty deck to be poached by the likes of Schmoke on TikTok? So I have a list and I will slowly roll out the trends. And if anyone wants to see the list, we'll find a way to make that happen. That makes sense. But you know, like if we're, if we're friends, DM me, if you really care to see the list and I'll snap you up. It's literally just like a list on a piece of paper of things that are going to blow up, but I'm correct. And last week I talked about the, uh, I talked about water and how I think water is going to be a big thing for this year, but this isn't just a me thing. The New York times also makes predictions. So I thought it would be fun to go through their predictions for 2023 and how credible I think they are. I famously have low opinions of the New York times when it comes to trends. That being said, Madison Malone Kircher, who used to be on a podcast called ICYMI that I really recommend and really love, she is now their culture reporter. And I feel like she does a better job, in my opinion, of covering trends in a way that is interesting and impactful. So while things are looking up historically, I have not been impressed with the New York Times trend reporting. I think that as someone who's a forecaster, if the New York Times is reporting on it, it's time for your brands to start getting in the space. So just use that as your barometer. Okay, my computer is acting up. It's worrying. Um, I am manifesting getting myself a new computer so that I can record this podcast and not sound like I'm not in a wind tunnel. So when I come back, we will talk about the New York Times 2023 predictions. Let's go. You could get into the future. So the New York Times only has 13 predictions for life in 2023. I have 23 just saying. Let's see if I'm going to get in or if I'm paywalled. Oh, I'm in. They said no more vibes. Someone from California, I've been saying vibes my whole life. I read a journal entry the other day from 2015, 2016, either one of those years, and I said I want good vibes only. Kendrick said, bitch, don't kill my vibe. What you're really saying here is that vibes is no longer pro. I just, this is why it's so important to think about the gaze of things. So this is for the bourgeoisie who have no connection to culture other than how they can purchase it. And so they need 
publications like the New York Times to report on what the kids are doing because they have no fucking clue, but they're very interested. So all this really says is that you're not going to get cred anymore for knowing what vibes means, right? But vibes are as important as ever. Comfort in the soft. I mean, okay. I would say that that's already a thing. Coach already did their, their like coaches collection of Sherpa is on sale right now. Fall 2022. That is currently on sale, but go off New York Times that soft is in. Supersized lies. So just so I'm getting this straight. The news is reporting that there's going to be more lies. You don't find that suspicious. Pet rats. That's, I think, a joke about the rats don't run this city. We do. There are so many rats and that people live amongst them. I could never live in a city with that much vermin. I've never been to New York and not had at least three rat mouse sightings. The end of shoelaces. They've had a nice run, but the many hot slip-ons of 2022 showed us that 2023 may be the year we retire shoelaces. Lately, my problem with trend forecasting has been that people look at a set of things. Okay, I think a good example of this is the girl who's committed to the idea that necklaces are out because every time there's a red carpet, she can find at least five celebs who aren't wearing necklaces. So she's trying to say that this is the new trend. Just because someone has looked at five things, five trends, and been like, oh, this is something they have in common, doesn't mean that that is the trend. So I'm not sure I'm bought into the idea that it's anti-shoelaces. I think it's more about ease of on and off and comfort. But go off, I guess. Butter Crocs. I mean, sure. I think, again, this is like pleasure-seeking. Butter makes food taste good. Revenge of the normie. See, this is the framing of the bourgeoisie, right? The fact, revenge. Americans are gravitating towards media experiences and political figures that are just regular, degular, and rather wholesome. Jessica Gross writes, Scott Rossi for the New York Times. I mean, I don't think that people are watching things like, fuck yeah, this is so normal. I love it. I think that people are normal and they want to see, as I, again, I was saying that very narrow scope of this directly applies to me. That's what they're consuming. Crafty skills. I mean, yeah, I started Craft Club two years ago. Fake fashion items. Oh, wow. Such a trend. Dupes. <laughs> Hair care is the new skincare, which Kaylee and I predicted at work earlier this year. Justice for hoodie and shorts, guys. I don't know what this is about, but I'm not going to read it. So I don't think it's going to be a trend. Talking to strangers. That's the whole point of the internet. But okay, go off. A crusade against caffeine. Absolutely not. Caffeine is the most widely used drug on the planet and people are addicted. I think that there will be a crusade against Starbucks because I think that they're about to be exposed as a faulty drug dealer. But I do not think that there will be a crusade against caffeine. People love caffeine. And again, I say this as a Diet Coke addict. This week, I did want to talk about Megan and Harry. I think... That what is going on with Meghan and Harry and the royal family is actually a very long con full circle moment. So in case you've been living under a American rock and have no clue what's going on right now, Prince Harry, who I believe was fifth in line for the throne after William's children, released a book that detailed his life. It's a memoir. And he has been fighting with his family pretty publicly in the last few years, everything reached a head when he married Meghan Markle, American actress. You may know her from Suits, where she played Rachel Zane. They got married, and in the lead up to their wedding, when they were affianced, 
there was a lot of negative press and a lot of racist press surrounding Meghan, their relationship, her family, yada yada. Harry feels that the royal family should have protected Meghan more, and in some cases they were complicit in perpetuating negative stories about and around her. I believe him. It's very clearly a narcissistic family system, and they all are out for themselves on a global scale for hundreds of years. I don't know if people watch the show The Royals on E!, But now that I'm consuming this, well, I'm consuming other people talking about it. I have not read the book. Now that I'm learning about Harry's point of view, I think that the show The Royals was actually very directly based on the royal family. Um, I would have to go back and watch it to say exactly how, but it is very based on that. And I just think it's really interesting that still, (laughs) like, however many years later, how, how long has America been around? Like 250 years our problem is still with the freedom of the press. Like, literally, we're having issues about what can be said about the king. And that was literally what America was founded on. Isn't that ironic? Don't you think? A few years ago, when I was working on consulting on Gossip Girl, the kind of thing that I identified that was really interesting about the series was that it was playing with this and I haven't watched it so I don't know if it actually does this but this idea that privilege while obviously luxurious also comes with its limitations and it can be very prison like and I think that Harry was showcasing that side of things that we don't get to see as much and I've heard people say, like, the girl, the celebrity memoir book club women, one of them said that they feel, felt bad for William after reading the book. And, like, I could kind of relate on some oldest child levels of, like, I saw that Harry wasn't as self-aware as he could be about how William had it harder than him in some ways. But I also think that at a certain point, you have to grow up and you become who you become. And I think William became an asshole. And he didn't do that layer of self-reflection to not do that that i think harry is doing right now next topic megan's unfinished thoughts avoided millennial dating habits so something that i've noticed is that a lot of millennials are in long distance relationships whether that's an hour away across the country we've really normalized the idea of like i've met my perfect person but distance is keeping us apart and while i think that often people chalk it up to our increasingly global world it's not so far-fetched that that there is someone perfect out there for you and they wouldn't live exactly on your street, right? But I think that there's more like anxious avoidant attachment at play here, especially because I've met a lot of men in LA through other friends who have girlfriends who live back home and then they go back home every now and then. And I think it's like the emotional reassurance that they have a woman And they can probably call her up whenever. Some of them have dogs and girlfriends. And they are in LA trying to make it, going to parties. I don't know. It's just strange to me. Like, in my opinion, part of being in a relationship with someone is spending time with them. But that doesn't seem to be the case in a lot of these long-distance relationships. And people thrive in quotes in them i think because they don't actually really want to be in a relationship but they like the safety and security of having someone so anyways that's just my opinion as a single person viewing this thing from the outside daisy update daisy's doing great um 
I'm moving. I took Daisy to the new apartment. She approves, so things are great. This week in Men Menning, I posted a TikTok where I read an excerpt from Eula's book, Having and Being Had, about how Karl Marx was, in fact, a scrub motherfucker. To say about how without his wife, Karl Marx would not be Karl Marx. Jenny Marx was picking up Karl's cigarette butts and keeping track of his spending even before they were married. Later, she served as his secretary and fended off creditors and bore one child after another while he wrote Capital. Jenny was one of the only people who could read his handwriting, so she prepared his manuscripts for publishers. She copied the Communist Manifesto in her own hand, and then she mentioned in a letter she was overwhelmed with housework. And what did Jenny get for being a slave, I mean wife, to Carl? Um, Marx very probably impregnated his maid, Helene DeMuth. Helene had worked for Jenny's mother since she was 11 and was sent to live with Carl and Jenny when she was 25. Shortly after they married, she worked for them until they died, and when she died, she was buried with them. She had no family of her own, and her baby was given to a foster family, and the pregnancy blamed on Engels. Behind every great man, there's a better woman. DJ Bestie Girl's latest obsession, Miley Cyrus. She wrote a song. That is essentially a response track to Bruno Mars's When I Was Your Man. Does every guy trying to get back with his ex just dedicate that song to her? Because same. But the song, I should have bought you flowers. Right, that song. So apparently Liam had dedicated the song to her. Liam is her ex-husband. Liam had dedicated the song to her at one point, And... It was very public, so she wrote this new track called Flowers, and it goes, I can buy myself flowers. I also really like the song Rich Girl. It came on. I have a lot of really random playlists, and I think it was on my Sunday playlist. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money. You can rely on the old man's money. It's a bitch girl, but it's gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. Say money, money won't get you too far, get you too far. If you like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, or don't. All right, talk to you later. Bye.